Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. Joining me later on in the show to get you ready for NFL Week 12 action, including the Thanksgiving Dames, is Jay Cornegay, Executive Vice President of Race and Sportsbook Operations at the Westgate Superbook. But first, let's do a quick recap of week 11, then give some picks. And these stats come from our man, covers JLo on Twitter, Jason Logan. In week 11, favorites went six and eight against the spread. The one thing of note, favorites of two and a half points or less, a number that we've tracked all year, did go three and one. Also of note, favorites of six or more, just one and four against the spread. Woof. Looking at the over-under, Totals six and eight to the under. And the thing that didn't make sense last week, four of the five worst against the spread record teams on the season covered in the Jets, Cowboys, Texans, and Browns. Looking at the podcast, we went 0-3 on the week. Move this man! And it was not pretty thanks to the Minnesota Vikings. They crushed our big Mick. We had the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Vikings. Vikings lose. That's out. Our pick a loser, that was the Dallas Cowboys. They ended up winning that game outright. And that game pretty much came down to two things. Turnovers and penalties. Both things that the Vikings lost. Also, this makes no sense whatsoever. Going into the game, we expected that the Vikings were going to run all over the Cowboys defense. Well, guess what? The Cowboys outrushed the Vikings in the game to the tune of 5.8 yards per carry. Woof. And lastly, our get comfortable being uncomfortable better the week of the Eagles lost. And that made me want to throw up watching that the Eagles First drive, boom, they're ready to score in the red zone. What do they do? They turn the ball over. And we said going into the week, what was the thing that killed the Eagles all season? Turnovers. What killed them in this game? Turnovers. They lost three to one in terms of turnover differential. So let's get to my week 12 picks. And let's start with my big Mick money line parlay of the week. I see they got the big Mac. I got the big Mick. And our goal in this bet is just to produce a winning bet. And you know what we're going to do? We are going to take the Buffalo Bills at home, taking on the Chargers. And we're going to parlay that with the Saints, taking on Denver on the road. This two-teamer pays minus 103. So give me the Bills at home and the Saints on the road. Let's get to our pick a loser. Oh, what a loser. Our goal of this bet is just to choose a losing bet. And you know what? We are doubling down on the losers known by the Dallas Cowboys. There is no way this Cowboys team who is favored by three points is going to have back-to-back -back performances. I'm looking for a letdown spot here. So give me the Cowboys minus three as my loser, because I think that Washington can one lose by three or less or two, they can even win this game. And you know what? This is going to make Thanksgiving more fun rooting against the Cowboys. 
And lastly, let's get to my get comfortable being uncomfortable bet of the week. And I'm giving this one a John Randall 93 out of 100. And quite frankly, I wanted to make this a 99 out of 100, but there was no good players who wore a 99 for the Vikings. So I'm going with John Randall. Give me the Vikings minus four. And I feel sick that I am doing this after what they did to us last week. But guess what? The Panthers smoked the Lions 20 to nothing. So they are riding high and the Vikings are coming off a terrible loss to the Cowboys. And one thing that we identify all year, we like to fade teams after a big win and we like to back teams after a bad loss. And unfortunately for us, the Vikings minus four hit that criteria. So might get comfortable being uncomfortable. Bet of the week is the Vikings minus four. Hold up. Happy Thanksgiving from Covers Experts, the best roster of handicappers in the business. Make sure to take advantage of their Black Friday week sales from Thursday to Monday and get some amazing deals on picks and subscriptions. Follow Covers Experts on Twitter today for more details on when their Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and Cyber Monday sales start. Woo! And joining me to get you ready for NFL Week 12 action is Jay Cornegay, Executive Vice President of Race and Sportsbook Operations at the Westgate Superbook. You can follow him on Twitter at Jay Cornegay. Jay, great to have you back on the show. Good to see you, Rob. Back down in Florida, are you? I I am down here, a quick respite out of Chicago, um, enjoying some beautiful weather and some good vibes down here for the Thanksgiving holiday. Nice. That's a nice little break, especially this time of year. And, and uh, I'm happy for you to see some sunshine down in the, uh, I guess they call it, the, what are they, Sunshine State, I guess they, they call it Florida, right? Yeah, crazy how that works, right? Who <laughs> came up with that one? All right. So we've got three Thanksgiving Day games, and quite frankly, two of them make me cringe, and we got one good one. Let's start with the first game. We've got the Texans laying three on the road, taking on the Lions. Um, what, actually, what, what do you guys have this at from a line standpoint? Well, right now we have it at three and 51 and a half. But uh, it was it was a game that we looked at where it was pretty even going into this last weekend. But the Texans upset the Patriots, and then you got the the Lions getting shut out, and all of a sudden the Texans are a three point favorite. I, I almost feel like it's an overreaction type of game. Uh, there's no doubt that we're going to need the Lions in this game because uh, I mean there's so much action out there that we take in on these games that a lot of people just base on what they saw last week. And this is a prime example of it. They not, I mean, the Texans were okay. The Lions have been probably definitely below average, but um, to have the Texans go in there and lay three points in Detroit, it seems quite a bit to me, but I think, um, I think I've lost more money on the Lions than any other team. <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to talk myself into the Lions once again on Thanksgiving. And uh, um, I said I wasn't going to do that, but uh, that three is somewhat enticing to uh, a lot of people out there. Is there any chance this moves to three and a half or off that key number? I, I don't 
think so. It, it's really difficult to, to say. If it does, it would be real late. I think once the public gets a hold of it on on Thursday morning, um, it's one of the biggest rushes that we have all season long is that Thursday morning before that 9.30 Pacific time um, first game uh, on, on Thanksgiving. It's We have this tremendous rush. And I mean, once the public gets a hold of this game, um, which they already have to a certain point, but they really unload uh, on Thursday morning. That's the only time I can see it uh, being pushed. But I know that a lot of sharps are out there waiting for that hook. And if you do see a hook, it probably won't last long. Uh, how much do the injuries to Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift have an impact on this number? Well, Galladay has been out for quite a long time, and I don't. I, I think he's doubtful or maybe questionable for this game. I know that he tried to go last week and, and uh, I think he had a half practice and then he was a no-go for the rest of the week. So with that said, I think that, you know, it's probably unlikely that he goes. Swift is a recent injury and, and he's really been coming on lately. So those, both of those guys combined um, might be, you know, a half point to almost a full point, uh, both of them combined, but uh, it's still, it's still Texans laying points on the road. Is, is, is a difficult uh, number to, to swallow. As gross as it is to swallow a Lions plus three, chances are I'm going to be on that side or looking something on the live betting because one thing that is a narrative every single week, we look to identify teams coming off a blowout loss or a team who has a good win. And on the Lions, getting shut out by Carolina is certainly identified as a bad loss. So as you said, the recency bias, that's a good opportunity for us to be getting value, albeit extremely uncomfortable in us doing this yeah well we've, we've talked about this lions team on thanksgiving so many times and, and you think you know they're at home they're more comfortable you know the team is a it's a short week the team has to travel to to detroit you know how, how motivated can you be going into detroit but there's been so many occasions that i have been on the other side of the counter holding a lions ticket and since it's so early out here a 9 30 kickoff you know, by the time I turn it on, it's 14, nothing, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, you know, lions are already in a hole. And I'm like, why did I do this? Uh, I'm not going to talk myself into the lions, but uh, I tell you, if, if I get a chance to see three and a half there, I might have a, a little bit of a nibble there. So based on what you're saying right there, I will be waiting until at least game time looking for that three and a half. Otherwise on the live betting side of things, I feel like the opportunity to get the better number is in live betting where if everybody thinks, Hey, the Texans come up seven, nothing. And I actually think both of these games. So the Texans last week against the Patriots, I saw that number get as high as uh, Houston plus six and a half. And I was actually looking to live bet the lions last week. Thank God I didn't. And I'm like, I'll just hold off one more possession is like touchdown it's like 14 nothing 17 nothing i'm like they can't score zero can they 20 to nothing i'm like can they really score nothing thank god i saved myself from just throwing money down the toilet yeah I, like i said i've done that plenty of times but the end game wagering sure certainly if you can get your pulse on it and you're able to um i'm not gonna say ignore your family during this time, but being able to watch the football and follow it through, uh, you'll you certainly have some value there. Uh, you know, uh, during the the end game wagering, and I would suspect that you would probably have a few decent numbers on on Thursday. 
All right, let's get to the next game. Washington at Dallas. What do you have this number at? Well, our look ahead was the Cowboys two and a half, three. And right now we have solid threes uh, around town. We have some three minus three even. So uh, this, this is a game that um, you know both teams are probably a little better than they were a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Smith, you know, makes Washington better. Better Dalton certainly makes Dallas better. They both won last week. Um, I know people have been talking about if Washington wins this game, they'd be in first place in the in the division, which is hard to believe. Uh, but um, you know this. This NFC East is something that we're going to have to see how it pans out towards the end because it wouldn't surprise me if one of these teams gets a little hot at the end of the year and actually would be a dangerous play uh, in, in the uh, the playoffs with nothing to lose and everybody telling them that they don't belong in there. But, uh, you know, the quarterback play has improved for both of these teams. And, yeah, I mean, we could see either one of these teams uh, in the playoffs by winning the NFC East. But uh, – I think it's going to be a very interesting watch on, on this game because I'd like to see how these two teams play with their new quarterbacks. For me, it was simple. I'm going to fade the Cowboys after a win because, oh, remember, they were one of the worst against the spread record teams in the entire league heading into last week. And I'm not going to be someone who's like, oh, my goodness, they fixed it all right now with Andy Dalton. I actually, one of my few wins last week was on Washington. I do like their defense. I like the pressure that they can bring to the table. So for me, give me getting three points because that means I don't have to rely on the Cowboys to actually win. <laughs> I, it, it makes sense because uh, the Cowboys have been, even when Dalton was playing a little bit earlier, he wasn't that consistent, but he did look halfway decent last week. Um, their defense is still suspect, but I know that if I were to t look at these two teams and see who has improved over the, the most over the last few weeks, it certainly would be the football team. All right, and then the primetime matchup for those of us who do not pass out at 8 o'clock after Thanksgiving, we have the Ravens heading to Pittsburgh, taking on the Steelers. What do you have this line at? Well, right now we are five and a half uh, on the Steelers, a total of 44 and a half. Looks like they might have some rain there in Pittsburgh on Thursday night. It could be a little sloppy. Um but uh, as we all know, the Ravens are going through some COVID issues. You know, lost both their running backs. Looks like uh, Edwards is going to be the man there. Um, but I'm, I'm a little surprised that it's really this high. I know the Ravens haven't looked great. But in the first matchup, Ravens controlled most of that game. I mean, they blew it in the second half. Uh, but um, I, I think it's important that the Ravens get off to a, a good start if they have a chance because – I, I just don't know if Lamar Jackson can lead a, a comeback at, you know, at this point in time, uh, he's totally different than he was last year. Um, his, his passing is, hasn't been even close to what we were seeing last year. So I would think that the Ravens would have to uh, get off to a good start to, to cover that number. 
So some numbers here. The Ravens just two and six against the spread the last eight. Pittsburgh seven and one against the spread the last eight. The Steelers are also four and one against the spread at home. And the question I have for you about the Ravens is actually sort of a totality thing because of their offensive line. Is the offensive line injuries one of the bigger reasons why we're seeing the Ravens struggle right now? I know for the casual fan, offensive line health or who's there is sort of an invisible thing. But those who know that what really matters in football, the trenches is what's going to win or lose one way or another. And the Ravens seeing so many injuries there, is that one of those hidden things that could really become the kryptonite of this Ravens team? Yeah, I think it would be for any team, but especially a team that relies on the rush uh, so much. I mean, they they really do run the ball well when they're healthy. And uh, they, they haven't been that bad. I think the Ravens had almost 200 yards rushing against the Steelers in the first game. I mean, they really ran the ball. But, uh, you know, their, their defense, which we thought was going to be a lot better, uh, has had some poor moments and, and some letdowns. And therefore, they have to re- rely on Jackson doing his thing, and he hasn't been able to do it. So, yes, I do believe that uh, injuries on the offensive line make this team somewhat one-dimensional. Now you lose, you know, your two running backs, uh, even though I think Edwards can fill in nicely uh, to a certain level. So I don't think it's a huge drop-off there. But uh, I certainly, again, I would not be comfortable relying on Jackson making a comeback against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Steelers are currently undefeated right now. Is there extra juice or, juice or pop in the line because of that? And or knowing that this is also a game that is almost a must win for Baltimore in terms of both if they hope to have a chance at the division or two making the playoffs. Cause like from a motivation standpoint, as someone who's a Steelers fan, um, are they going to go 16 and 0? my guess would be no. So looking at something like this, this is a spot where it looks like for the Ravens, they need this game. They want this game. As you said, it was a very close game, but I also don't like what I've been seeing out of Baltimore in Pittsburgh. On the other hand, they continue to look good. They continue to look good. And it's not as much a recency thing is something just doesn't seem right with Baltimore. Yeah. It's really difficult to put your thumb on it uh, as far as the Ravens are concerned and, and trying to figure out what's wrong with the team because you, you, you look at them and, and um, despite the offensive line injuries, you know, they, they've just had some lapses of just not good football. And, and that inconsistency is why they're in the position they are in now. And uh, looking at the Steelers, yeah, the Steelers don't really need this game. They really don't. I mean, the Ravens do. And so uh, are the Ravens are going to be able to shake it off and, and go into Pittsburgh in a short week? And, and, you know, could they possibly win this game? Absolutely. I, I think they can. Um, but uh, I, the emotional side, I won't say but, but I'll say additionally, the Ravens going into this game needing it a lot more uh, than the Steelers, I, I think is certainly more motivational uh, for the Baltimore side than the Pittsburgh side. All right, so I've got a few questions about some of the other games going on this week. And we've got Cardinals at the Patriots. One, what do you have this line at? And two, this is a very perplexing game for me because we haven't seen the Patriots looking like this before. And this is a short number for the Cardinals as a favorite on the road. Yeah, I'm one of those that... 
when I look at the Cardinals, I wouldn't say they're completely fool's gold, uh, but I certainly have some question marks about them. And now Murray might be, you know, he, he's a little banged up and, and we'll see what, you know, he has there. I, I just haven't been really a big Patriot supporter uh, this year. I, I just feel like, I mean, even Belichick wasn't a believer. You know, maybe that was a motivational quote that he said, hey, listen, it's just not our year. We don't have the guys. You know, we sold out the last few years. We just don't have anybody here. You know, I don't know if that was motivational or the truth. I, I look at it as the truth. Um, you know, they had that one good game two weeks ago, uh, you know, and then, then they go in. They didn't completely lay an egg in Houston, but uh, I, I just can't trust them because I, I don't know where their strength is. I don't know if Cam can lead this team to, you know, a, a, any type of comeback if they fall behind. Um, but uh, the Cardinals, on the other hand, to me are very suspect because I, I just, I don't really believe in their defense. Um, Murray makes some tremendous plays. I, I think he's great, but he's kind of banged up. It's not a game that I'm really looking at the, to play to tell you the truth rob or lean one way or another but if i was to look at it and see the cardinals laying points on the road going back east um i would have to look favor the new england side there yeah it's just with it being such a short number it seems like such a gimme it actually sort of reminds me of last week's game it's actually a great segue of the dolphins and the broncos where you saw the dolphins three and a half point road favorites this one Cardinals just two and a half point road favorites where you're like, wait a second, this seems like a no brainer of the century with Kyler Murray. And they're so good And the Patriots are down. Uh, I've just learned when my spider sense says something looks too good to be true. And Oh, by the way, I don't trust the Patriots to me. That's just a stay away. Yeah. It, it's the same thing for me. I mean, if I were to look at a three and the Patriots at home and, and, and even though, I mean, I obviously there's no fans there, but I mean, it's still a travel game. You still got to go all the way from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. And going into New England is just no picnic. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots used that same formula that they used against the Ravens and just went right at them. All right. Uh, they know uh, Murray is probably not 100 percent. So hitting him a, a couple of times would probably be in the game plan. And uh, I, I don't think the Patriots are going to give up, um, even though realistically, you know, Belichick and others probably know that they're not a Super Bowl team or a contender for that matter, but they won't give up. And like I said, I'm not a really big believer in the Cardinals. I, I think they come from this great division. They're pretty competitive, but they beat up on a lot of poor teams. And when they face a, a, a decent team, you know, they struggle. And uh, Patriots, a decent team, probably not, but still traveling, laying points on the road. I couldn't trust that. Let's keep the theme of lack of trust going. We've got saints on the road, taking on the Broncos. What number do you have this at? And the reason I'm curious about this game is because of Taysom Hill. Looking at that, we saw a lot of action on Atlanta last week, getting the four, four and a half. And that number kept on coming down and everyone's like, Taysom Hill is not going to be all that. And really the story of that game for me was the saints defense. Remember, they're a team that did well against the Bucs defensively. They go ahead and they stop this Atlanta offense. And now they're taking on this Broncos team coming off a good win. But I have zero faith whatsoever in the Broncos team. So what line do you have this at? And what are your thoughts on Taysom Hill leading this team? Well, right now we are at Saints minus five and a half and 43 and a half. I, I agree with you. Um, 
going back to last week, there was so much money on the Falcons and, and some, some very respected players uh, that uh, we know uh, were certainly uh, supporting the Atlanta side. And that number just came right down. Um, again, with this, this quarterback situation with Jason Hill back there, you know, they better get off to a good start again. You know, that was one of the things that they benefited from last week. You know, they got off to a pretty decent start. and They were able to play for, uh, ahead for the, most of the game, um, you know, leading a comeback and having to rely on his passing game, even though I thought he was okay. The Broncos defense is pretty decent. They're okay, especially their defensive backs. It's a little different, you know, going into Denver and facing that uh, pass defense. And, you know, the, the Bronco rush – pass rush isn't what it was a few years ago we all know that but it's still pretty decent they can put some pressure they might not be getting you know uh sacks and putting up those gaudy numbers uh but they can uh put some pressure you know on that quarterback uh but i cannot trust the broncos at all especially offensively offensively they really really struggle um drew lock um he's 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 a tough kid, and I heard that he's uh, kind of hard-headed a little bit. Where it, I'm not sure if he's listening to his coaches or not. I'm not sure what that means, uh, but uh, I take it as that uh, he he needs to uh, maybe loosen up and, and start listening to his coaches a little better. But uh, he's been so inconsistent, especially taking care of the ball. And you know, turnovers are going to kill you. And even though he it was an okay game last week, uh, he's he's a guy that can really turn the ball over. And the Saints defense can make you do that. And so I would definitely not trust the Broncos here, even though I'm not one to lay five and a half points on the road. What would the number have been if Drew Brees was the quarterback? Well, it's a little different now after that performance. <laughs> you know, we were, you know, I mean, before that performance by Hill last week, it was probably, you know, around three and a half, four points. But now it's, you know, it's probably a little less than that after that performance because he did look great. You know, his stats were impressive and he took care of the ball. He didn't turn it over, you know, and he did his thing. He was able to score two touchdowns. So uh, it's probably, obviously it's less than that now. But uh, prior to that game, you were probably looking at around three and a half, four point difference. All right, and let's wrap this up with two futures-related things. Uh, I had someone slide into my DMs and say, Rob, any thoughts on NFL Rookie of the Year? And we unfortunately saw Joe Burrow go down. And a lot of people love Justin Herbert. A lot of, oh, my God, this guy's a top-10 quarterback in the NFL. And we also have someone unheralded, Chase Claypool, 10 touchdowns, yet doesn't make ESPN's top-10 list of top-10 best rookies. I'm like, how in the world does that make sense? right there so what are you looking at right now from a rookie of the year standpoint in terms of odds well once burrow went down i think it's a runaway i mean, claypool has obviously had a, has a tremendous year going uh but herbert is just i mean he's incredible right now and uh the numbers that he's posting for a rookie uh are i i think it's more of a runaway at at, at this point in time unless he falls apart you know the last quarter of the season but Herbert, by I, I believe it's a runaway. Uh, you know, some people might disagree, but uh, it's you know, with the numbers that he's putting up, I mean, I, I think he's got multiple touchdown passes uh, in so many consecutive games. I guess it's the first time that's ever happened. Uh, he continues to, uh, I mean, we're not talking about dump passes. 
We're not talking about passes on the flat. He's throwing down the field with accuracy and, and being able to, to read those defenses and make plays with, uh, you know, his athletic ability. I, I think that uh, it's uh, right now, I think it's a clear choice that Herbert wins it, but um, mainly because Burrow went down. Uh, Claypool, great season, but it's a solid second place for him. All right. How much does the win-loss record matter? So if the Chargers were to finish the season 5-11, and 11, and God forbid the Steelers finish the season 16-0 and 0 or 15-1, and 1, and Claypool sets a rookie touchdown record at 12, 13, 14, which is possible because it's with the way that offense is rolling, uh, does that come into play at all? Because it's like all the good things Herbert's doing, I'm with you, but I'm also really interested in winning, albeit I get it, Claypool can only do so much when he's on the field there. I can't remember. I mean, just going off of MVP stats, I can't remember the last time a wide receiver was MVP. It's, it's, you know, it's just that position that doesn't, really receive a lot of, of votes in, in this case and so if he was uh, all of a sudden lighted up at the end of the year I if and Herbert doesn't fall apart and he keeps doing what he's doing um, I don't think it's going to matter as far as the uh, win-loss uh, you know or record for these two teams I think Herbert is in the limelight he's touching the ball every single play he's making he's making a, a number of plays every you know every game that uh, I still think it's a clear choice just because I don't even remember the last time wide receiver won, um, you know, MVP. It's just the position itself that uh, really favors the quarterback. All right. And I'm with you on that. So speaking of MVP, let's end on MVP of the league early on in the season, Russell Wilson was cooking. Then all of a sudden it's like, What's going on with this Seahawks right now? Uh, Kyler Murray for about a hot second in the first three weeks. He looked like he had something. Aaron Rodgers had some love early on. But now that we're into week 12, you look at the Chiefs and they have one loss and Patrick Mahomes is straight cooking right now. Is he the favorite clear cut? And if he's not, who else would be in consideration? Well, I think you named uh, all the contenders there, but who's the one that's been the most consistent so far? and seems to be coming on and probably the best team in the, the league uh, with, with the, the chiefs. So Mahomes is clearly the favorite to win this thing right now. Unless again, unless he falls apart, uh, the others are certainly putting some great years together, but they've had a, somewhat of a roller coaster and at one time or another, some a dip in their performance. So I would say that uh, uh, Mahomes is clearly the favorite right now and, I don't see how you're going to argue that, especially when he's playing for the best team and quarterbacking, once again, quarterbacking the best team in the league. Is he in plus money right now? I don't know. Um, wait. Because, because I'm with you, and it seems like such an obvious thing where you just project out and you're like, all right, the Colts go, or I mean the Chiefs go, let's call it at worst, 14 and two, 13 and three. We don't think that he's going to fall off a cliff right there. So it seems like he would be almost like an even money type favorite. And I don't even know who I would wrote root for number two, given that the Packers just lost with Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, their defense has been letting them down. So I don't exactly believe in them as the next best option. 
Right. I'll give you the current odds right now um, as I sign on here. But uh, I, I, I know what you were saying earlier about some of, these, some of these other contenders that um, had great performances for the most part, but had a couple of hiccups. Uh, let me just see. Hold on just one second. And, and even another player we can throw into this uh, would also be Alvin Kamara. You've seen the success that the Saints have had with Drew Brees going out, albeit Alvin Kamara scoring more touchdowns and less yardage side of things. I guess he would be the only non-quarterback that we would be looking at as an option as well. Right, and it's tough to win this if you're not a quarterback. Once again, it's it's very difficult to do that. But uh, I know there was some talk about another quarterback, and I mean, he's come back to the pack a little bit with uh, but josh allen was discussed uh, in a few circles um let me see here i'll uh, sign on here excuse me rob just one sec all right here we go so you were asking if mahomes is plus money he is not at this time he is minus 140 all right some of the other contenders that we just mentioned rob russell wilson uh seven to two aaron Rodgers five to one uh, Murray is now 16 to 1. Josh Allen, 30. Roethlisberger, 20. And I think those are the, the main contenders at this point in time. But Mahomes is now less than even money to win the MVP uh, this year. Notice. Well, there we go. Critical notice. We need to go put those bets in right now on Patrick Mahomes at minus 140. Uh, Jay, I'm very thankful for you coming on this show. Uh, I always enjoy jamming with you because you bring a ton of insight, but you also have a great personality and great energy. Where can everybody connect with you? Uh, you can, they can reach uh, me on Twitter at Jay Cornegay. Uh, I get uh, to those uh, almost every single day, So, uh, but I do apologize at times especially if I'm on the golf course, it might take me about five or six hours to get back to you, but uh, they can reach me on Twitter at, at Jay Cornegay Rob. And I want to hear from you. What is on your NFL week 12 card? Do you have a pick a loser, big Mick Moneyline parlay of the week or uncomfortable bet? You can hit me up on Twitter at Rob Cressy. Make sure you make sure to use hashtag sharp 600 and be part of our community. And also make sure to tag at covers and every week you guys have been doing such a good job of giving us ratings and reviews on iTunes. And I want to give a shout out to Boris Yeltsin's mistress who gave us five stars. Wow. Didn't know we were in such rarefied air who responded quick, smart, short pod gets right to the point with insight and sharp action. Boris Yeltsin's mistress, mistress. Thank you very much for that rating and review. I very much appreciate you. And remember, if you want to be a sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll. Be disciplined with your money management. The Bocadella devil hit you with the rap level of 10. The one, two, three, your pen. I get action. So everybody jump with your rope. If you like the way the sound pumps, pump it in your black trunk. And let loose with the juice when I do rock. I'm too hot. Some say I got more juice than two pops.